The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And today we're going to be talking about The Hunger Games from 2012. Uh, This is a movie that I'm sure many of our listeners have seen. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it did fairly well. Uh, Aislinn, do you remember your first sort of Hunger Games verse interactions? Oh, do I ever? <laughs> I think, uh, you know, in our family, I'm pretty famous for getting a, a, a strong case of the Hunger Games fever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was a little behind, as I am with most books. <laughs> uh, the movie had already been cast. And so I was sort of picturing the people when I, I listened to it on audio. It must have been the summer before it came out and then by the time it was coming out in theaters um i was very very excited my um uh my good friend brian donovan who you can hear talk about bridge on uh why aren't we all episode number two um he also got a little bit of the hunger games fever and so we were sort of trading back and forth uh the Entertainment Weekly special editions and some additional, you know, they come out with like fan oriented oh, sure. paperback bo- books that aren't really books. You know, <laughs> like, uh, we got pretty into it, and I think, um, you know, I the uh, the books I I like a lot. I would say I love the second book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll try not to get too second booky in this, but. Um, but because I w- listened to the novel and then saw it, you know, within the same year, I I sort of um, I get confused sometimes which is which because I knew who was in it. So I, when I pictured it, I could kind of picture the actors. Uh-huh. So occasionally there'll be something that I think is in the movie, but it was really just in the book. Oh, interesting. Right. Because you pictured as you're listening I, to the book, you're picturing the actors from the movie. Yeah. Oh, interesting. To, to the, you know, to the best of my Ability, you know, your imagination is always a little bit wilder. But um, in any case, yes, I'm familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was a big fan, although my fever died out between the second and third movies. Mm -hmm. Not going to lie. But I think it's because I love the second book so much and um, the third book not as much. And so then by the time those movies came out, I was sort of less... I was inoculated um, at that point. Uh, how about you, Tom? This is interesting because, you know, I, I many of our listeners will know that sort of YA fiction is 
a love of yours uh, yes, uh, and also a love of mine. If you listen back to our yeah. Twilight episode, <laughs> you can hear us mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that. So I read this book before you did. Uh, you did. I found it at the same bookstore in, uh, um, that I picked up the Twilight. It was on the YA shelf of, with like the little card, you know, above it saying, this is the, you know, the hot new book for young adults. So I picked it up and tore through it like in hardback, like way before. Um, and so I also had the, a little bit of the, the hunger games fever. And, and um, it also, uh, I don't think mine maybe s- sustained quite as long as yours did. And I, I, I didn't have as heavy a, or as a bad a case of it, I think <laughs> as you did. Sure. Um, but I did, it, you know, this, this ticks so many boxes for me in, in terms of the mm-hmm. source material, um, you know, with a, with a, female protagonist in a YA book with some some dystopian future and you know all that stuff the revolution and I grew up like Robin Hood is my central myth so like bows and arrows and running around the woods like this is all my jam not kids killing kids necessarily but the sort of the other other parts of it so anyway I I um loved that and I uh and I was excited I'm sure I saw this movie close to opening weekend as it as it came out although I can't remember exactly but I have not seen it in in many a moon, uh, probably since. Well, I probably rewatched it before the third movie, which is the last of the movies that I saw, hmm. um, and uh, and then haven't seen it since. Clearly, I'd watched my DVD at one point because when I put it in, it started playing, or my Blu-ray, I suppose, oh. <laughs> it started playing at the end credits. Okay, yeah. And okay. What that did for me was. Two notes in, I was right back in the soundtrack. Oh this, yeah, Ooh, the soundtrack right. of the first movie was so so good. Um, it, yeah, just all kinds of good good stuff there that that really that I felt I remembered sort of how deep my interest in it was when mm-hmm. I heard you know some of that. So so yes, it's been a long time for me. I couldn't remember when I'd last seen it, but I knew I had. The DVD was not new. So, um, Toby, can you give us a little bit of history? I sure can. Uh, the first bit is that a producer named uh, Nina Jacobson was kind of the, the main creative producing force behind the movie. She had been president of production at Disney. She'd worked her way up at Disney to, to basically sort of kind of be running um, you know, what Disney was making and how they were making it most sort of – I guess the, the the biggest hits under her tenure were the early Pirates of the Caribbean movies. She kind of launched that franchise. And then on like, I think it was like on or near her, her, no, she was 40 and her partner was in the middle of giving birth and she got the call that she was fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she became a, a producer I'm like independent, not well. Yeah, she became a producer outside of, of the studio, right? She was a studio executive, moved to become to become a producer, and runs a company called Color Force, and um, scooped up these books like the minute they kind of became available, and, and seeing the commercial potential in a way that a lot of other people couldn't. And particularly, she has said then and since that the idea of a um, female protagonist of an actiony movie uh or you know so series who is who gets to be the hero was something that really resonated she was actively looking for something like that as this sort of this book came came across her desk um the other the other bit is that um so steven soderbergh is a filmmaker that i i'm sure <laughs> i've talked about before <laughs> a filmmaker that i love uh if you can go back and listen to old episodes of 
uh, the Cinemakers on the Cage Club Podcast Network. The first season, I um, with uh, Joey and Mike watched. We watched all of Steven Soderbergh movies in a row, or uh, in chronological order, and talked about them. So he made things like the Oceans movies and Traffic and Aaron Brockovich, and he he won a. a Best Directing Oscar. Well, he's good friends with the director of this movie, Gary Ross. So he came and Gary Ross called him when he was getting ready to make this movie. And was like, there's one day I need somebody else shooting some some other footage. Will you come help me? Mm -hmm. And so Steven Soderbergh, as he's getting ready to shoot... Magic Mike uh, is in the, is in the neighborhood and comes over and and shoots some second unit footage, which is kind of like to have an Oscar winning director shoot second unit footage on a movie is like that's crazy. It just doesn't happen. It's just, <laughs> usually that that role is usually for someone sort of up and coming, you know, sure. not not for somebody who's so established. So I love the idea of like some, you know, he's taking footage of like somebody's footsteps or you know like somebody's hand on a tree and it's <laughs> and it's Steven Soderbergh doing it. Um, so those are my <laughs> those are my insidery two bits of film history for the Hunger Games. Delightful. Aizen, could you take us through the ladies in charge, women involved in major roles in the Hunger Games? Happy to. Starting with actors, we have Jennifer Lawrence, Elizabeth Banks, Sandra Ellis Lafferty, and Amanda Stenberg. Writer of the book and co-writer of the screenplay, Suzanne Collins. Producers, Nina Jacobson, Deanna Alvarez, Suzanne Collins, Chantelle Figali, and Louise Rossner. And editor, you know I love an editor. I do. Juliet Welfling. One of three editors credited on this movie. Where there's a lot of footage. There's a lot. <laughs> to, there's a lot going to, on. To put together. <clears throat> All right. Just to refresh folks' memory, will you give us the summary? Yes. Here's a plot summary contributed by Suzanne, not just to us, but like that Suzanne Collins wrote. In a dystopian future, the totalitarian nation of Panem is divided into 12 districts and the capital. Each year, two young representatives from each district are selected by lottery to participate in the Hunger Games. Part entertainment, part brutal retribution for a past rebellion, the televised games are broadcast throughout Panem. The 24 participants are forced to eliminate their competitors while the citizens of Pan Am are required to watch. When 16-year-old Katniss's younger sister, Prim, is selected as District 12's female representative, Katniss volunteers to take her place. She and her male counterpart, Peta, are pitted against bigger, stronger representatives, some of whom have trained for this their whole lives. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. All right. Let me just say, <laughs> it was hard for me when I was taking <laughs> notes. It was a little bit hard to do it chronologically or to do it in time with the movie because I know the story so well and I know the movie so well. So I think <clears throat> a lot of my preliminary thoughts were much more thematic than particular, um, except mm-hmm, that sure. I do want to say one thing because it just struck me so hard was, um, as you described as per Suzanne Collins, uh, uh, Katniss, our, our hero, her younger sister. So it's the first year that she's eligible. Her name's only in once. Um, and by chance she's picked and that's the worst possible scenario for, for Katniss. And so she volunteers and that moment where she rushes up and volunteers was in the preview and it's still, 
obviously mm-hmm. gets me. I think the way Jennifer Lawrence did that is just perfection. But that everything that followed in that um, scene, I suppose, uh, where saying goodbye to the family and 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 her telling saying things to her sister and her mother, really hit me in terms of just family separation in general. Yep. Yep. And yep. Gosh, I was just sitting on the couch ruined for many minutes. Mm-hmm. It was until Woody Harrelson showed up <laughs> that I got it back together <laughs> because I. It had always been emotional, but not, I mean, I, that's the whole, the whole nut nugget of the dystopian future, right? Is how close to this does, right, do we right. feel? And, and so that right. I think just really, whew, that felt much closer than it did when I was reading it or watching it um, in 2012. Yeah, I completely agree. One of the things that's always been so powerful or that it's always been so powerful about the story for me, given that I am someone who's so close to a sibling, <laughs> is mm-hmm. is the idea of sort of, you know, sacrifice for a sibling. And and th- that moment in the book and in the movie, I, th- I thought was handled really well. And I've always sort of pinned that, you know, emotionally that gets a rise out of me. It pinned, but mm-hmm. I, and I pin it to sort of our relationship and sort of know, you know, the feelings, uh, you know, uh, f- you know, for a sibling and, but you're totally right. The stuff that comes after this had resonated as a, or, you know, um, uh, either like, Oh, imagine this from the past or imagine this in the future. How terrible would this be? Mm-hmm. And there, knowing, even though intellectually I knew that that kind of thing was happening in the world in 2012 too, it's sure. just, wasn't necessarily happening right here in our name in a way. And, and mm-hmm. I, so, so it had, um, uh, it had extra resonance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. There was absolutely some ignorance is bliss, uh, in previous eras. Um, but thank you for, well, one, thank you for, um, your emotional response to the sibling part. Um, I would but- totally volunteer for you. Oh, well, this leads to my next point. Tobin, thank okay. you for bringing it up. We would have been in different fish bowls. And yes, so true. my oh, God. second note of the whole thing is that what I'm noticing, and I, I'm also a YA fan for a while. I was also a dystopian future fan um, <laughs> until I started living in one and then You're I decided right. I'm good. But um, dystopian futures, you know, social structure depends so much on gender essentialism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The idea that when you boil, like like reducing a fine sauce, when you boil <laughs> down a man and a woman, there are things that are essentially one or the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, come at me, evolutionary psychologists, if you want. But um, not only is that, I think, false in most of the time, but mm-hmm. then it's the, the, the weight we place on one or the other, the value we place. We hire, we create a hierarchy based on those essentialisms, and mm-hmm. that's what's mm-hmm. really dangerous. But so, sorry, lecture over. Um, I feel like dystopian future fiction <laughs> reality depends so much on this ideas of essentialism and you know other false theories that promote strict roles and rules and hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's so much in this, even just in that they're you know two separate bowls, but. Um, the what was the other example I had? There were various sort of oh uh, in the early scene as she's running into the woods, seeing all the men go to the mines. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, there's this revert back to, to uh, gender roles that one would think in the future would be beyond. And it looks as if in the capital, we are kind of beyond that. There's more play with the mm-hmm. presentation of gender and, and we, right. I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't really from the, the third book, we spend more time in the capital. Um, I remember some folks who had described as having physically altered, you know, themselves to look like cats or something. Right. Animals. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's certainly play with um, identity. I don't know the politics in terms of, of gender and sexuality, but I was noticing watching this and, you know, having Handmaid's Tale, on the Hulu and various <laughs> others that they just depend on this sort of archaic set of values. Right. And there's something kind of chilling about the sort of use of that in these kind of dystopian, you know, sort of totalitarian systems. The thing that rubs me a little wrong in sort of working that out is that the the what the because I think that the story and maybe I'm, it's too generous a read, but I think that the story is saying that um, it's it's sort of a product of the totalitarianism mm-hmm. that things get broken into these binary, you know, and and gender essentialist sort of systems. But the the problem, which okay, fine, that may be you know not like it's a way maybe to control not, maybe, people. As a way, right? By me, as a means of control, what it what it kind of tends to do a little bit is to say that the the play with identity in the capital is a product of decadence, mm. as as opposed to being a, a part of an identity. And oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I don't interrupt. I think I think there's absolutely a component of that, and I want to think about that more because I think that's a dangerous way to. Sort of, play right, it. but right. I I sort of read it as a product of freedom. Oh yeah, interesting. Okay, whether yeah, they truly yeah. are or not, they're this right. class that has the um, time and resources to explore, you know, who they are in a way that if you are, you know, literally starving, you don't have. You know, right, survival right. is is sure. you're doing most of the time. You don't have the. But that's interesting. Sorry. Uh, I interrupted though. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to read it. I don't know that it's either if it's, I don't know. I don't know how to read it. <laughs> um, so another thing that struck me started as, as starting out with the movie is I remembered how, and I, I know we talked about this at the time, how herky jerky yeah. handheld motion sicky so much of this movie is. Uh, particularly the opening particularly and, the, the and a lot of the stuff in the and then when they're actually fighting at the cornucopians, but you expect it then, right? But like, um, was it easier as was it easier for you now? I, you're someone who um, does not care for a lot of <laughs> handheld cinematography in your film. It was, and that I took half a Dramamine a half an hour before I started the movie. <laughs> I knew that I would get wrapped into it once the story really got going. Um, as I was in the yeah. theater, but I knew, and I think, so when I, when I was, when we were both excited about this book, I, I started having conversation with our mother about it. And when you pitch it to, to mom, she wants nothing <laughs> yes. to do with this book where kids kill kids, but we sort of, I, my, my recollection, and she can tweet me if I'm wrong, is we sort of convinced her and then she really enjoyed it. And so she actually went to the movie before I did. I think she went to the first showing. Oh, and interesting. Okay. Me to say it was really jumpy at the beginning. 
So I had been warned even in 2012. Um, and so I don't know. Can you tell me, is it actually better later or is it just that I don't notice it because I'm wrapped up in the story? It's such a good question. I think it does get better later. It calms down once like think about when they're in the goodbye scene, when they're on the train, like all that stuff. Yeah. And then even the training stuff, it's much less um, uh, herky, herky yeah, jerky. You know, it's still there's still some handheld stuff, but it's not it's not going to I don't think it's going to make people <laughs> ill in the in the theater. I found it all much easier to take on a small screen. Sure. Um, but but I, I did trigger the sense memory of having to look away sometimes yeah. from the opening. I remember it was one of my main complaints aesthetically about the movie when it first came out is that it just felt too much. It felt like it was mm -hmm. it, it had really, really made that point that like their life is rough at the beginning. I get it. <laughs> you know what? Well, and I think it's enough to be the stark contrast between the rural nature um, manual labor to everything smooth and hydraulic and uh, decadent in the in the capital. I think that would have been enough without yes, totally that extra. But I get that everyone wants you know their art to to be seen. Um, the training reminds me. So we have our all our twenty four um, tributes, and I wrote in my notes. I've got good news and bad news. You've got a part in the Hunger Games. The bad news is you are not the winner, which means there are no sequel. There's no sequel money in here for you. Right, right. Because you had some, there are a couple of folks that were um, up, there are certainly um, young actors that because of this movie then had careers, but there were some that were, had started careers and, and um, that you recognized from other things. It's like, oh, good for you. But, you know, none of that, none of that sequel, none of that yeah. sequel cash grab for you. <laughs> which just i don't know made me laugh it's not funny it just made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> no totally and I, it, it's a thing that they um uh, uh i'm gonna start that again no totally i they're they're they cast this movie really well kind of across the board like they're as so ha often happens with these movies that I have not seen for five or six years i start seeing the like i start writing down you know in my notes like oh my gosh that's right. Woody Harrelson has this great, crazy hair in yes. this movie, and and Stanley Tucci's in this movie. You know, Stanley like, Tucci. Oh my God, I have notes about Stanley Tucci <laughs> so and Wes Bentley with his and crazy Wes beard. Bentley with the great beard, and of course Donald Sutherland. I had not forgotten no. um, what a, what a what a what a presence uh, he brings. And Elizabeth um, Banks too. I feel like. Oh my I, gosh. I, we never actually did it, but after this movie came out, I had what I thought was the most brilliant idea for Halloween <laughs> for me to dress up as Effie and my dog to dress <sighs> up as Hamish. Oh, yes. Because they are this pair. Yes. Right? Yes. And yes. they, yes. <laughs> like, the universe <laughs> sort of put them together and they have different sensibilities. Totally. But um, they do, in the end, they, you know, they both care so much. They just are, I, one, I mean, they have different motivations, but also they just have such different experiences. It takes, exactly. I think, so long for them to kind of meet in the middle and understand the value of each other. Exactly. Right. And they, they, and they, those experiences sort of make it sort of one step further gives them different, really, really different points of view at 
sort of key moments in the mm -hmm. different value sets, different sort of understandings of what's going to happen and what should happen and, you know, how to behave. There's the, the great bit where um, Cadmus <laughs> has shot the apple through the, out of the mouth yes. of the boar as, as she's sort of in her training and, and right past all the, all the sort of, you know, big wigs and they, the game the makers. Game, right. And then, and then he, she walks in or we, we cut to a scene and Elizabeth Banks is just, reading of the riot act how could you do this this is oh, so, so rude. rude like you're breaking all the rules and, where are your manners and Hamish walks in and just gives it this big thumbs up <laughs> it's uh -huh. just I, I just you you it so nicely sort of right. distills these two characters and also gives us a sense of these the different value systems that these people you know yeah. have throughout the, the world and and if Hamish Hamish tickled you in this as you know he <laughs> consensually tickled me um <laughs> It's one of the reasons that I so love the second book is once the, you know, Katniss, who is the character that we are with in the books, once she has gone through this whole terrible, terrible trauma, we, through her eyes, see Hamish in a very different right, way. Right. And then in the, in the second book, um, I think we, I, I gained so much empathy for Hamish in a way that you didn't in the first mm -hmm. and that's to me that was okay it wasn't what it was about but his his depth just it's not that he didn't have it before it's just that the angle tilts and you're like oh yeah right he has gone for how many 30 40 years what not only did he have to go through it himself but then watching two young people from his area right. just be slaughtered right. um and so so yeah i like them a lot um okay Different value systems, yep. different people, uh -huh. different cast. <sighs> Can we talk about my disappointment? Yes. What's your disappointment? Cinna is one of my favorite characters. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I believe in, in my in my heart, <laughs> um, Lenny Kravitz has the look mm -hmm. for Cinna, mm -hmm. has the charisma of Cinna. Mm -hmm does not have the acting mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. to portray that character to the level that I would have wanted. Um, again, he's one that you, you hear more and more about. And since we sort of got there a little bit at the beginning, I think it comes out later in the series that, that Cinna has a different lifestyle. I don't, I don't think they say sort of straight up, but um, I believe he has been, his career was sidelined because of his sexuality. If I'm making this up, Twitter tell me. But I feel like he has some sort of discussion with with um, Katniss about why he's not uh -huh. right. sort of out, you know, top of his field. Right. Or not recognized as top of his field. Right. So what I love about this character comes back to things that I say to people all the time in real life. That, you know, social justice comes in all different ways. And, and he is doing it through fashion. And he explains that. That's not, right. that's not a, you know, it's not a revelation. But I think it, it's so true in the world that everyone has a place, if you want it. Everyone mm -hmm. has a place in, um, you know, eliminating whatever kind of inequality you're looking to or, or um, cultivating peace or whatever, whatever your thing is, and yeah. regardless of what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. That that if you put that effort and that uh, and your and your skill and your talent into it, you are going to you are making a difference. It doesn't even if you're even if you are supporting 
the people. You're literally clothing the people who are going to do the work. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. still part of the work. And so I so love him so much. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, I need like 30 more percent from you, dude. (laughs) How how do you feel about the casting of Senna? My one note about Senna is, wow, Lenny is a handsome man. (laughs) It's true. It's perfect. And he has the eye. They describe in the book Uh, the only embellishment he has is the gold eyes, which he Um, wears so well. But you're right. There's it. It loses something. There's mm -hmm. an energy that goes out of the movie when he's there that Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson characters have. And Cinna should be the third leg of that stool. He should be the third adult who we know is in one way or another kind of. And I guess. I guess Elizabeth Banks is she doesn't. My memory is that she's less clearly on her side mm-hmm. in the books until later, but that and the movie plays that up and yes. and that and that. But in the movie version, that you would have these three versions of people at their different sort of in their different fields, helping her in different ways and providing comfort, different kinds of comfort. She's not going to go to Effie for a hug. Right. Mm. She's not going to go to Woody Harrelson for a, Hamish for a hug. Sin mm-hmm. is the person she gives, she embraces before she goes right. up the tube. And, and she is literally trembling. She is you know trembling. I mean, like yes, if you yes. look at what she's bringing to that, what she's right. able to, because she is an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I just, ah, uh, I, 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 w- I just want to go back. I want to review the audition tapes and, and I want to see w- what someone else who doesn't happen to be a very handsome, accomplished rock star would bring. Because I would love to see Cinna as a games maker or a a random person at the in the Capitol. Like mm-hmm. you can you can stunt cameo me all you want, but <laughs> I just I, I wanted more. So the Cinna in my mind Yes, that's my is, question. Is a stronger, more intense character. Oh, do you have an actor in mind? Oh my goodness, I should. Let me get back to you on that because yeah, okay. at the time I didn't if I think now, honestly, can I can I yes, I do. I do. Okay. 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 You know, you know who it is? <laughs> no. Common. Oh, sure. That's I can I mean I'm not saying sure. I need to think about that more for the casting, but I'm saying I'm saying sure because I know how you feel about common. But even even still keep it a musician. Yeah. But yeah. even in those dumb ads for Google or AT&T or whatever weird techno ads he's doing that come on my streaming devices. Uh-huh. He's so passionate. Well, he certainly has a a, a, a um, level of charisma as an actor, uh, mm-hmm. a level of engagement with the scene as an actor that Lenny Kravitz is not giving us in the in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, that level alone, I, I think you're right. I think that would be I think that would be an improvement. Yeah. So one per- actor I don't think you could improve upon is Stanley Tucci. Can we talk about Stanley, Stanley Tucci? I would love to. My next note is about Stanley Tucci. In fact, we are simpatico. It's like uh, it's like we're siblings. Yes. Stanley is giving us Tucci is Tucci. Yes. In the best way. He is having a great time because that is what they are paying him to right. do. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yes. Is so put on. But in that way that that is a a a showman, right? You know, I mean, the greatest showman. I said, I would, I really want to see Stanley Tucci in full character doing an e red carpet. 
<laughs> yes. Can we have that? Can we have that now Please. and have him do that? I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. What, 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 what were your Tucci thoughts? I, I remember that he was in the movie, but I did not remember the um, level of uh, it, it appears to me that he has studied a lot of like 90s daytime talk people too, right? Like the mm-hmm. hand on her hand, the leaning in, the, the, the switching of emotional gears in the interview so quickly from, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a way that's that's both cl- – that's sort of a simulation of uh, empathy and emotional engagement – that that's got to be so hard for an actor to do, right? They, the actors talk about having to sort of act acting, and that's what mm. he's doing here. He's acting acting, um, and then, <laughs> which is which is great. There's another podcast I listen to uh, where they when they talk about Stanley Tucci, they talk, talk about him bringing a touch of the Tucci, and sometimes yes. he brings a lot, a big touch of the Tucci, and sometimes yeah. it's a very soft touch of the Tucci, and this is a big touch of the tooch but that's what this movie calls for i think it's one of the reasons that leonard kravitz disappears into the wallpaper a little bit is that especially when you get to the capital there there you need a presence you don't need to be broad but there although that works really well for stanley tucci but you do need to have a presence um Mm -hmm. and and uh um i get such a kick out of him and and yet the you see that he's he conveys us and maybe it's because of the context, but he conveys a sinister quality yes. uh, that I think works really well. I think is great. This movie. Yeah. I think that he, you understand that he understands that these humans are commodities. Right. Right. You know, yes. I think that's where the sinister comes and And I feel like in the book, it was described a lot to just the way that the, the capital population is described as, as, you know, puppets as sheep and that, you know, his job is to sort of conduct the audience like an orchestra. Right. And so he uses these poor children to, you know, create that, that drama. And, and it's sort of like, it takes one to know one. Like I, the, I feel like as big as his performance is the subtleties when, for instance, Peter <laughs> is, you know, make doing uh, changes the game in, to say that he has a crush on Katniss and one of them's going to die and all that. I feel like you see that in Tucci's eyes of like, oh, okay, you're a live one. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I see yeah, you right. playing. You're playing the same game I am. Yes, 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 yes. Right. And there's, yeah, there's something about that. But also he's just not afraid to to lean into the grotesque mm-hmm. nature of this when they're doing the um, like highlight reel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just you throw up in your mouth a little bit. Um, I mean, not cause I took Dramamine, but <laughs> yeah. I would have otherwise. And then I'm sorry. I forget the name of the actor who was, who is his co-anchor sometimes. Is that a Toby? To- Toby Jones. Yeah. Toby Jones. Okay. I yeah. know. I know it's Toby, but, but also sort of perfect for mm-hmm. a capital character, mm-hmm. a little, mm-hmm. a little <laughs> off center, a little, a little special. Everyone in the capital needs to be special. Mm-hmm. is what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love it. Totally. One of the other things that I really like about this movie that I I don't think I gave as uh, much sort of credit to when I was first seeing it is the 
just the overall production design, the aesthetic of the mm-hmm. worlds that that they're creating. And it, it, I mean, we recognize it in the, you know, okay, here's the the gray and dusty, you know, um, coal mining, um, you know, uh, 12, uh, what's it, District 12, mm-hmm. and then the shiny, clean, um, decadent um, capital, like the starkness of that difference I, I did I didn't recognize, but there's, there's a, and I think, I think this movie has inspired a lot more um, dystopian aesthetic than maybe we give it credit for it. And maybe, maybe they're standing on the shoulders of something else that I'm not as much aware of, but you could see Handmaid's Tale, for instance, Mm -hmm. in the the production design in this movie. Like you could see the the use of color, the use of a desaturated, um, uh, the the desaturation of the early parts, the bright colors, once you get the capital, the, the weapons, the uh, food they eat, the, the costumes. I mean, it's, it's a, the trailer for Cats just came out today. Mm-hmm. Yes, the <laughs> uh, internet which, told me. Uh, which you have got to see. Um, uh, trust me, just watch the trailer. In okay. fact, when we get to the end of this episode, uh-huh. you'll have you. I want you to watch the trailer while we're talking. Okay, great. Because I want your get your reactions as our this for everybody. This is going to be our um, uh, uh, blooper at the end. Is Island watching the trailer for Cats? Oh, I see. Um, I thought you were going to make it a, a Patreon, but oh. Uh, no, no, no. I, this everyone deserves everyone deserves to hear deserves this. this. <laughs> um, but anyway, the the it's a, the, there's there's some bold choices going on in the production design of this movie that could go wrong, and I think they by and large I think they they really pull it off. What did you think about the the costumes and the sets and all that in this movie? Oh yeah, I, perfect. And and I think being such a fan of the book and and I don't I don't know there likely are folks out there for whom this did not speak to their interpretation but i i think that building the world so thoroughly and with such i don't know like integrity kind of i want to say which is our mom's favorite word mm-hmm. i think that's how you bring a book to life is mm-hmm. by make is making that world because that's the to me the as a reader i'm building all of that myself right and you know, I'm great at it for my own mind, <laughs> but being able to do that, not only in a way that pleases people, but that is that I feel familiar to it, even though what's in my head might be very different, but there's something, there's a connection there because they were, did such a, um, thorough is not a good word, but it's the one I keep coming to. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I think the, uh, even just like the the dirty to clean sort of, you know, Katniss takes a, um, you know, a, a washtub bath in her home in District 12. But then it's this four people are buffering, buffering and polishing. And, <laughs> yes. and, you know, just the the there's so much and like in even the camera stuff that I don't think was necessary, but it feels different. Like the air feels different. Right. In the, one yes. environment to the other. Yes. And um and I think that probably helped the actors that it was so stark for them as well. I think they help engage with it. And then in the game itself, that I mean that environment was at once, you know, lush and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you know you have this to me I call it the Apollo 13 room. But you have the behind the scenes game makers are manipulating it all. So it's also fake. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. But it's, um, which that I had, a, this is my last, well, no, but this is the last written down social commentary piece of it, that the way that the games makers contort and, and, um, go after and, and do all that, um, in order to make a better game or whatever, there's yeah. something in that to me that reminds me of the f- fallacy of an even playing field. Ah, uh, Interesting. Which I hear about a lot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I um, do my best to, with kindness and openness, share some of the ways in which I don't believe that there is such a thing as an as an even playing field. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was just such a like hit you in the face of it, like yeah, the yeah. minute that you feel safe or you feel like okay, I can start saving or I can start doing this something happens and right. and and this of course is manipulated by humans but i would argue that the rest of it is manipulated too, by humans for sure too. yeah and this and this is this is a system in the same way that the you know human beings behind systems in our world right <laughs> you know like this is yeah for sure but they sure. don't all have those slamming beards <laughs> if only yep <laughs> at least you could identify them if they all had the slamming beards it's like um, a crane beard so uh we haven't talked about Jennifer Lawrence yet. Ah, uh, we need to talk about Jennifer Lawrence. We do. Yeah, we last talked about Jennifer Lawrence in her audition reel for this movie. Yes, that's what <laughs> I said too. <laughs> we saw her in Winter's Bone. Yeah, uh, 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 which got her an Oscar nomination and this movie. I mean, pretty mm-hmm. clearly, yeah. and we praised her up and down in in that movie. What did you think of Jennifer Lawrence in this movie? I mean, spoiler alert, it's going to be pretty similar. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. The minute she skinned that squirrel in Winter's Bone while I was watching it, I said, oh, that's how she got this. Because, in fact, I was listening right. to the book, driving from Kansas to Montana for a summer break. And it, during that summer break in Montana, I watched Winter's Bone. So I knew she had been cast. I could see, ah, that's where she got it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this came at the perfect time in her career because she you know was destined to become a name but this was you know this was part of what got her there but this was a you know a bit ahead of that although she had the oscar nomination and all that um because i think it's important that she could be anyone a little Mm -hmm. bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but i mean yes the trembling the the way in which she volunteers the the you know the break in her voice i mean it's all it's so good i'm trying to think of something that i didn't like about it and i'll tell you what it is it's uh watching the press tour afterwards i was really tired of her playing up the like well i don't i don't know how to do an interview Uh uh i'm just one of the guys yeah i you know i'm gross i'm whatever and yeah, that that sticky presentation of self got real tiresome for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is my critique. I don't think I have a critique of the performance itself. What do you? What do you have something to add? I don't think I answered that very well. No, I think you answered it beautifully. I think she's f- tremendous in this movie. I, I think that to have an actor who played the 
um, sort of smaller. So in talking about the similarities between these two performances, you know, they're, they're both characters who are sort of live these hard scrabble lives who have to sort of, um, you know, operate in a world that doesn't want to accept them. And who are parenting you know, their siblings. Parenting this right, good, and uh, shooting like you know, shooting things, <laughs> you know, like uh, risking their lives. Um, and but the similarities in terms of performance kind of end there. I mean, she has to. Um, uh, she, this is a this is a very different character. It bothers me when people talk about oh they just she just transplanted that performance to this movie. That's not at all true, mm-hmm. uh, and not just because the accent is different, but like she she um, I. The movie does not work if you are not with her as she is understanding the implications of the action she has taken or is going to take. And um, I, I, I think to a person, <laughs> most audience members are with her. I mean, she's she's um, sort of capturing what it would feel like as a human being to go through these moments in, I think, a beautiful way. I think she channels it so well. I cannot say the same for her counterpart i think is the way that suzanne collins said it uh yeah so that's interesting because i was never a fan of the character and i didn't know if we were going to get into this or not (laughs) i it's a it plays a little better in the movie but in the book i kept getting so mad and i think when i was reading the second book i was getting mad at out loud in your apartment about this Mm -hmm. um particularly in the first one he weighs her down. Yeah. He's loud. He can't get through the woods without calling attention himself. He's, I mean, just at every turn, he is in the damn way. Mm-hmm. And I'm so with her that he bothers me. I did learn to value him more as a character in the second one. And I think what they, I think what they took, what Suzanne Collins took and the others, but I mean, she knows it the best right right? i think she took some of that charisma and the showmanship that becomes clear in the second book because the second book starts they have to go on this tour of all the districts and he gets that right and she never will right 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 she's too much (laughs) the truth in her (laughs) um she doesn't have a poker face um she doesn't play the game and and so I think they they took some of that aspect of their dynamic together and just of the Peta character and put it into those scenes with Stanley Tucci mm-hmm. and right, right. and him with the with the um what do what do they call the District One and Two folks Oh yeah the careers yeah yeah the careers I think no. so is that what it is no. I mean, it sounds almost right um so so I think it plays a little better as a character. But yeah, I mean, poor Josh Hutcherson. I would we feel differently if he had done s- some really strong work since this? I wonder. He's done work, yeah. right? He's the working actor. But I don't think I own anything else with him in it. They are they are called careers. Um just you know, uh what are, oh, careers. Careers, yeah. Okay. yeah. Is that um, what I said before? Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, <laughs> it sounded different when you said oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, so I I kind of like Josh Hutcherson as an actor, and I think I think I have seen him in things where I think he fits really well. I wonder if maybe it's a problem with the character, which is, I think what you're saying, and I'm just echoing what you're saying. So it's hard to kind of separate a little bit. But the but he suffered. You know, there's a there's a moment where if there had been if Twitter had been Twitter when the movie mm-hmm. came out. 
Uh, or maybe I just wasn't on Twitter <laughs> to, to, enough to know. But the moment where she stumbles upon him and he's made his face up to be like the bark oh of the God. tree or the yeah. wood or the rock or whatever. And I mean, it is it is hysterical. That, that would have been a meme like of all right. of all time. Um, and, and I think that the you know, I wrote early on in my notes like he's PETA is a real doofus. <laughs> yes. Um, and I and I think that if uh, to me, it, it feels like I, one of the things is really um, I, I can't just even start a fucking sentence. One of my least favorite things about the book is the love triangle that sort of develops between the three, the, the, the two the two guys and um, the Jennifer Lawrence and Katniss. Uh, and, I agree. And I, and I, I'm not opposed to a love triangle and it's, I think it's, it's probably would be fine. It's just that to me, that feel, it feels like PETA is serve, serving that more than he is uh, a character of his own. I don't know if that makes mm. any sense. Um, I, I, I think he's always been, I, I, my memory is that he's a kind of a washed out character anyway. And so no surprise yeah. that the, that the actor is not able to sort of bring more life to it. Yeah, I, I recall in this era, then the big, you know, Peta and Katniss, the couple name for is Penis. <laughs> yes. And then yes. Gail and Katniss is then Gainus. <laughs> um, oh my and, God. There, and I remember having discussions at length with people about this. And I always went Team Finnick. Who we meet in the second and is not available for this triangle. But in terms of a male character with charisma that also I have extreme empathy for, um, and and love and and was you know have have their beautiful moments and tragic moments and that I, for me it's 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 Finnick all the way. Um, but if I had to pick, if I had to engage in this love triangle. I feel like it's it's Gail all the way. Um, I'm, I mean, the whole franchise, at least the book, ends with eventually she and and Peta are together forever. Right. Gail is implicated in something that's, that's unforgivable to her, and um, and so then they are just. It's it. I think it reads as that they start. So after this, they do sleep in the same room a lot because both of them have nightmares. I think, mm-hmm, or at least she mm-hmm, does. Mm-hmm. And so they start as that, and then eventually, what is comfort turns to fire. Um, <laughs> that's what it says in the book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they have babies and shit. And I'm just like, no, she didn't want babies. Yeah, and she didn't want Peta. Yeah. And so that bothers. So I think that's part of why I haven't watched the last the movies of the last book because Mm -hmm. i want it to end the way i want it to end um yeah yeah and with her maybe (laughs) finding someone who has not gone through all this yeah and you know maybe there's there's a nice dude in district seven just waiting for her there is such there's such an interesting idea of these two people who would be uh it's like the end of speed i was just going to say it's like the end of speed <laughs> oh my god we, we can't keep meaning like this I know, in the I brain. Know. Um, and there would be something kind of interesting to explore about two people who have been through this kind of trauma who you know the the story and 
the, Hollywood wants them to be together with the fire. Uh, but it would be interesting to have them have that bond and and sort of not be able to be around one another, but not to be able to be apart from one another. And yeah. then to have other relationships with other people, but yeah. like live next to each other or exactly. whatever. Right? Like there, I think that there's a- Share there, a vacation home. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think that, that that would have been an interesting way to explore that as opposed to- like forcing them back into this, like, yeah. Because you know. honestly too, I think Peter should find someone who values him. I think it's for both of them. Right. I don't yeah. think he's enough for her. And, and he's also, I don't think ever going to be, you know, in her eyes enough. Well, the fact that she's the fact that he's not enough for her means that he then like, she can't be enough for him. Like that's, right. <laughs> that's the way that works. Right. So yeah. Disappointing. Disappointing. So in our version. Yeah. I like that. that They, they live near each other. They, maybe they have, uh, they call each other when they're having difficult times. Yeah. They, because they do, they have a unique experience. Um, and that's important to be able to share that. But yeah, it doesn't have to be there there every day, and I think they could find um, folks who compliment them. And and yeah, he was he's always going to be the one she settled for, mm-hmm. and so right. wouldn't wouldn't he be better off with someone who just thinks he is the absolute bee's knees? Yep, I agree. So that's how we're going to end our version of <laughs> this epic story. Um. I I don't remember how it happens in the book, but I do love the way in the movie, um, Seneca Crazy Beard is um, yes dispatched. penalized for <laughs> allowing what happened to happen. Um, you know, was it his fault? Like, there's this whole like the 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 larger moral implications of it. I'm not getting into. Yeah, but just the the poetry with which that occurs. I think is is beautiful for this world. Totally agree. Very, very smart choice. There's another smart choice in the, in the writing and the structure of this movie, which is the, uh, for me anyway, the way that they um, layer in the Katniss Pita backstory mm-hmm. in a way that they don't have to show you that early. Like we don't have a, it's not, we don't even have a full flashback to it. It's no, not like, like you don't know if he was kind or not. And in fact, right. I think you're led to believe he wasn't. Right. Right. And you sort of, so it builds through the course of the movie as you're sort of learning about them. And so it runs as this kind of parallel flashback, like just flashes of memories. It's just images that then, that then I think, I thought that was really well done. It's always a tricky thing to, how do you put in that kind of backstory and you know, it's important that she has the time with Gail in the woods, the head and the time mm-hmm. with her sister and time with her mother. Like you need to know th- that sort of, those sort of primary relationships first. And so I just thought that was, that was kind of smartly done. Um, so we've been praising this movie a lot and, and knocking it in other places too. But so here's my question, the, a question that I kind of wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you like this movie? Like, do you like this movie? I do. I realized why I haven't watched it in, in many years. And that's yeah, I why I don't enjoy the hand to hand combat fighting. I don't enjoy right. any of that. Um, but I, I like it after watching this. I thought, you know what? I do want to watch the second one again because I know that that's my favorite. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a solid question. I like it. I don't love it. I love the story. 
Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I do. I like this movie. I think this movie is, re- is really well made. I-, I don't know how many times I would watch it. I think for the same reasons that we've been talking about that doesn't feel as uh, that dystopian futures don't feel as, um, you know, just as future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, but I would encourage you to watch my, I, well, I shouldn't say that that way. I remember enjoying thinking that, that they got some things right in the third movie. Okay. I have not seen the fourth. <laughs> so maybe that's an indication that it didn't get right enough that I went to see them, that I like rented the fourth. But my, but I remember thinking that they, that they solved some problems in the, in the third movie. Um, and I, I am curious now to, to go back and watch the rest of the series and sort of, sort of see, um, yeah, but like you, it's in. It, I wrestle with it because I I do think it's a good movie. I I do like it. I think that it's a good adaptation of the source material. It's it's really pleasing to look at. There's some great performances in the movie. There's some not great performances in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but but it's not one I reach. I'm going to reach. I don't own this movie. This is not one that I own. I I own the um, first two, but like you know, yeah. Like I said, I couldn't remember the last time I'd. I certainly hadn't watched it in three years. I hadn't, I hadn't watched it since <laughs> since our dystopian future began. Yeah, Tobin. Yes. Do you want to play a game? I can't wait. So this is called. Are you hungry? <laughs> the Hunger Games game. All right, I'm ready. I have done some research. I have co-conspirators. I have in front of me a list of likes and dislikes of foods from oh. your immediate family. Oh, boy. Uh, for each of your children, I have a list of three <laughs> likes and, okay. and one dislike. Okay. Now, if I will give a point for each one you get right. I'll give okay. half a point if it's not on the list, but you can convince me. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then for your wife, I oh, have boy. one like and one dislike that are worth three points each since I only have one. So let's start with your son. Okay. Three, when I said to your wife, yeah, what are the kids' favorite foods right now? So today. Okay. Not okay. historically. Okay. Are, are you, are you, and, and I have a categorical question. Yeah. Uh, are you, are you saying any foods or is this like meals or like, or are, are desserts available? Like, you know, that's, that's what's tough. I'm not going to lie. Okay. You're um, not going to tell me. Okay. That I would say there's some of each in yeah, each okay. category. And so okay. I have the text in front of me. So if okay. it's not the top three that I picked, but it's on the list, I'll still give you credit. Okay. Okay. So for my son, uh, his favorite foods right now, I'm going to say pizza. Yes. Point for you. Or do you want me to wait till you say all three? Sure. I guess. Oh yeah. Okay. I guess wait, maybe wait. Yeah. Let me say all three and see how many points I get. Okay. So I'm going to say pizza, chicken strips, and ice cream. Can you be more specific with the ice cream? Um, a brand or flavor or a, um, I would say a destination I mean, or flavor. Big Dipper. No, Dairy yeah. Queen. Yeah. Oh, Big Dipper. Damn it. <laughs> Was it Big Dipper? 
It was. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'll stick with that then. Would you like an extra point if you can name the flavor? Oh, okay. So he's always liked the yellow cake, but recently he's gotten into the cardamom. So I'm going to say cardamom ice cream from Big Dipper. Congratulations, Tobin. (gasps) Yay! You, I would say based on the taking the top three answers, originally you had two out of three points, but you, I'm going to give you that extra point for saying cardamom, Dick Dipper. (laughs) What you missed in the list was burgers. Oh, okay. And coconut Luna bars. Oh, of course. <laughs> Goddamn Luna bars. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, right. Um, one in- food that your son hates, according to your wife. My gosh, there are so many. Um, let's see. What, what would she have said that he hates right now? She would say he hates um, salad. Oh. I'm sorry. The answer I got was bananas. Oh, oh yes, which is funny because he used to eat like four bananas a day. When he, was he would a, have when, <laughs> what? I mean, he was a baby, right? He was one one year old. Yeah. He would have yeah. a pre-breakfast banana at like five o'clock in the yes, morning. He would. He would. And yep. then yeah, and that would not be his like only banana in the day. Yeah. Banana. <laughs> <laughs> Potassium rich. That kid. Okay, uh, Tobin, I would say for your daughter, yeah, it is all over the board in terms of ingredients (laughs) versus meals versus side dishes. Um, Can you give me three items that your daughter loves to eat? Okay, I'm going to say bagels. Um. Uh, toast. Can you be, can you be a little <laughs> bit more specific about toast? Butter yes. toast. Yes. Good job. <laughs> and um, and then let's see. Is this definitely something sweet? I'm going to say um, cookies. French French cookies. Mm, that's a great answer, but it is not it is not on my list. Oh dang! I mean, I mean, I can I can give you the extra point for butter on the toast, um, <laughs> but you only got one in the in the category. Would you like to hear the entire list? Oh, that I got. Yes, please. Okay. Yes, she loves buttered toast, jicama, chocolate, black beans, cheese quesadillas, special K red berries, and apple juice. I was gonna say special K red oh, berries. Oh, it, it's, man. it's the coconut Luna bar of the <laughs> category. Yes. Uh, Tobin, oh, what is yeah. something that your youngest child hates? Okay, I'm going to say um, green beans. I'm gonna give that to you. The answer was so many damn things. <laughs> yes that is true that is true so so far you are at uh five out of eight points not bad oh right all now, right again in this final category uh your wife provided only one item in each so it's tougher oh, no so it's gonna be you could get three points if you get either of them please keep in mind oh. it is today it is now okay it is, okay you know current it's a like and a dislike yes a fave in fact it says my fave Fave. is dot 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 oh okay peanut sauce and and whose peanut sauce 
my peanut yeah, sauce. <laughs> now this is this is not an innuendo. I actually make <laughs> a damn good peanut sauce. Like for a stir fry? <laughs> or what we do you use peanut sauce? Put it on everything. Do you? But yes, like a stir fry peanut sauce. Yeah, like a tie, like a like a okay. yeah. We like might a, have to talk off mic about that. Because yeah, I've been yeah. I've been walking some vegetables. Oh yeah, you definitely should try this. Yeah. Okay. What uh, does okay. your wife hate? <laughs> Can I, I just I got that by the way. That was amazing. <laughs> I got that. Do you that have one. something more than a ding? No, I uh no, I don't. I don't. Well, actually maybe, let's try this. Very nice <laughs> sure. job. Thank you. Um, okay, so then and then uh, and then did she say hate or just dislike a, a dislike? Did she qualify this one at all? It says hate colon okay. item. Oh, I'm going to say hates. Um, gosh. Um, I'm trying to think of something that I eat that she doesn't like that I eat. <laughs> um, this is really tough. Because, of course, with a kid, you know the things they don't like because you put it in front of them and they rebel. But your right. partner, you put like they just eat what they <laughs> they make the food they like to eat. You know what I mean? Like we make our food and we eat it. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna say meat. Just the category of meat. No. No. Okay. Um, but like meat, it is also something I intensely dislike. That doesn't help at all. No, uh, and that is sour cream. Oh, of course. Sour yeah. cream. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 <laughs> she doesn't hate meat. I guess that, that was, should have been a clue. Right. But sour cream is a thing she hates. Yeah. Yeah. Really all cream sauces, cream sauces of all kinds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me, you had got eight points. Well, eight plus three. Oh, no, no. Eight. Right. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good yeah, job. okay, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to hear how anybody else hungry. did. Yeah. <laughs> Any of our Twitter followers, let me know if you got a better score than I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh. Thanks for playing. Great game. Great game. All right, now is the point in our podcast where we decide, is this movie progressive or regressive? Is The Hunger Games a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Aislinn, what say you? I say, I think this is progressive. I think this character is defiantly fierce and compassionate at the same time, over and over again. And one does not discount the other. And, and I think at the time and perhaps even now that is rare. And so I think for the protagonist alone, I would say progressive, but hearing about the behind the scenes of, of the career of the producer who saw something in it, grabbed it, made it, you know, helped to make it what it is. Um, Suzanne Collins for giving us the whole story and then contributing to the, um, films as well and then you just add in you know the effie the rue or kind of all the other um really i would say fantastic performances that surround jennifer lawrence i will say progressive tobin 
I agree. I could not say it better. And so I won't. I uh, co-sign everything you say. And I also say progressive. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of sassy ladies. Yes. Um, join us as we talk about Pitch Perfect 2, directed by Elizabeth Banks, that came out in 2015. And that will be coming to you in six weeks on September 3rd. Six weeks. That's a long time. Well, you know, sometimes we need a break, a healthy break. <laughs> We're going to take a little August hiatus uh, from from the show. Maybe there'll be some special things that pop up in the feed. You know, keep keep your eyes peeled, your ears open. But we're, for official episodes, we are not going to be uh, producing episodes in August. We will be back in your earbuds in September. You know what you can get a new episode of in August? What, Aislinn? Uh, the uh, final episode, don't worry, there's also a bonus episode after the final episode, but the final episode of my short series, Why Aren't We All, oh, will excellent. go up August 1st. So if you're feeling like you're missing me, don't worry, I'll be right there. Um, in the meantime, uh, go back and listen to the first five if you haven't yet. You can find them wherever you find podcasts. Um, also go to cageclub.me. And uh, you can find me and the podcast there. Also, I would encourage you to go back and listen to us. See where we've contradicted ourselves. It'll be fun. <laughs> Tobin, what about you? How, what, what do you have coming up? <laughs> uh, uh, I uh, Coming up, I have, after this episode, watching the Cats trailer with you. Uh, yes. And if you want to find other uh, series of tweets of mine about the Cats trailer, you can find them on Twitter at Tobin Addington. Excellent. You can find us on Twitter at cageclub underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above, Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at cageclubpod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Tobin Addington. I'm Aislinn Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. All right. Okay. I see. I see this trailer okay. in my inbox. So, so I've made. I'm. I'm going to open the link at this. I mean, I've opened the link. So, uh, and we can both both push play at the same time, so we can okay. watch it simultaneously. I will leave the sound off and you need to turn the sound on so that you can okay. hear what's going on in this. Now, have you seen anything about the cats trailer or no. the, or the, okay. So this no, is all I, fresh. It's all fresh. I saw on Buzzfeed today that there was something afoot. <laughs> <laughs> a, paw. a paw. So they released, they released yesterday a featurette that was like, we're talking to all the actors and some of the dancers and the director and you got to see them all rehearsing. So you got to see them as people rehearsing. They talked about like the digital fur technology oh, that God. they were going to use to turn these people into cats. Now, I'd like to remind you that the musical Cats is about cats. <laughs> but played by people traditionally. Yeah. And and then it's just like they're just being cats. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, you know. Yeah. It's just cats. Yeah, they're in uh, leotards being cats. <laughs> okay, so are you ready? <laughs> I guess so. Okay. okay, people at home, if you'd like to play along, we're going to watch the trailer. We're going to do a countdown from, from five, and we're going to push play. You can watch along at home. All right, here we go. Five, 
four, three, two, one. Oh my. Oh god. Look at them. Look at my shoulder work. Look at look at the ears moving. <laughs> yep, that's Judy Dench. What's confusing <laughs> is that it appears that there are some actual cats mixed in. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I think those are just people. I don't know. People. Yep. Okay, but they've got the, um, you know, size of things, right? You know, the bed's mm-hmm. big. Yep. Yep. It's to scale. Pale. They have hu- are creepy. They have human hands. They which do. Is, Ooh. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. Off <laughs> pudding. Jason Derulo. Uh huh. Poor Idris. No! <laughs> Gandalf! Oh, God. <laughs> yep, you know. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. And they're all just watching her. Yep. Is she gonna well, die at you know, the end of a- this? Like she does in the uh, musical? <laughs> Spoilers. It's about cats. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh god. Why is he wearing a top hat if he's a cat? <laughs> and a spangly jacket. That's Mr. Mistopheles, assuming. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. they're Nazi cats. <laughs> so, um, oh. this movie opens on the 20th of December. Oh, no. And so I think we should go to it together. I think we should, too. What can we have ingested? Ahead of time. <laughs> what is the appropriate? Uh, we have we have a few months to figure that out. If anybody has any it? suggestions <laughs> <laughs> or wants to join us, please please uh, send your suggestions to uh, uh, contenders underscore pod. Why couldn't it be the year that it, I had blurry vision at Christmas? Well, you know the nice uh, the nice thing is that it's the same day that the new Star Wars opens, and so <gasps> no I one will be there. That's where, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, so we can. So thank you for for uh, for joining me on that little that sojourn. Great. We can scratch <clears throat> our fleas and lick our crotches to ourselves, <laughs> our own. Don't be gross. Uh, yes, yes, yes. All yes. right. Well, yes. thank you for that. <laughs> hey, now yeah. I can't sleep. <laughs> <My pleasure>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, on that note, <clears throat> I'm going to stop this. I need to stop this. <laughs> we all There's need to stop button. this. <laughs> they really need to stop. She and her male counterpart, Peta, are pitted against. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> Peta has always made me laugh. I know. Picture listening to it and not seeing it written. <laughs> Peta. Peta. Peta uh, from the bakery. Uh, <laughs> yes.